all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Hi, I'm Richard Gershon, the host of In Legal Terms and a professor at the University of Mississippi School of Law. If you miss a live In Legal Terms episode, find our podcast, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. morning and thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress here, the host, and I am here with my producer, Abram Nanny, today. Good morning, Abram. Good morning. How's it going? Going great. Well, today um, we're talking about adult parent-child relationships. So there's one thing that we can all agree about. We were all once children, and most of us were raised by our parents, whether they were adoptive or our biologic parents. The other thing that we can agree on is that we've all grown up, those of us who are listening. Well, um, maybe physically, have we all grown up? Mentally, that's a question we can talk about as we move along. But has the parent-child relationship that we had with our parents in childhood grown up? That's the question I want to discuss today. How is your relationship with your parents? How are you doing with your adult children? Do you think the relationship is healthy? Was it difficult for you as a parent to shoo your children out of the nest, or did you try to keep them there? Or um, did they separate from you and and never return? And perhaps maybe there's some struggles there. So we can talk about any any of that in our series that we have had ongoing for the last several weeks on relationships. This is probably one of the ones that affects all of us, right? It's all of us have to deal with this issue as we grow up and and leave the home. And there there's certainly some tensions that can happen as we're trying to grow our kids, but then trying to let go of them and let them be adults. And Abram, I know you're a young adult, and so you've struggled with some of that, probably. Yeah, well, I just left my parents' house a couple of years ago, um, so it's still kind of fresh yeah. for me. And, you know... We lived within 30 minutes of them for a year, and now I'm three hours away. So it's a very different feeling for the past couple months, you know, being apart from my parents like that. Yeah, it yeah. is. And it, it, I think, for everyone. And so I want to tell you a little bit, listeners, about a, a study that a psychologist did, Karen Fingerman. She's a professor of human development and family sciences at the University of Austin. 
And um, back in 2017, she noted that the amount of communication and involvement between parents and adult children really has changed a lot. And what has has happened in the last century um, is that adulthood has sort of undergone a shift. It seems that Young adults don't take exception with me, but I'd like to hear some feedback on this. Young adults take longer to reach certain markers of adulthood, completing education, getting married, moving out of the home, and finding their own career path even. So now, the generation that she really focused on is the one called the millennials. I was born... And by her definition, and I think most, between 1981 and 1996, 1996. Um, and her, her study focused on the aged parents' well-being because she did most of her work in, in aged um, individuals. And she looked at whether those aged parents believed that they benefited from their continued involvement in their adult children's lives. And guess what What she found out? It wasn't very profound. It was like, it depends. It depends on what the relationship is and, and how the, the adult children and the aged parents communicate. Well, that's no big surprise. Yeah, I mean, like every family's different. It's not. Yeah. It's not some huge revelation to that uh, for that study to have found that. Yeah. So I, I think that's kind of funny. <laughs> it, it was kind of funny, but and and the writer who was summarizing her writings was saying, "Oh, so it it really didn't help us at all." Um, I think the the question in in the other writer's mind was. So she didn't seem to really look at the difference in the helicopter parents who weren't letting go versus the ones who who had raised their children to be independent. And so perhaps it it was not as helpful, though I think I think we all know it really does depend. And it depends on what you as an aged parent view your job is. Well, let me just tell you that three of my Five children are defined as millennials by the 1981 to 1996 definition. And I'm delighted to have one of those millennials who was actually born in 1983 um, here in the studio with me, My one of my adult children. And he's going to help us talk through adult-child uh, relationships. So Dr. Tim Abston is a general surgeon at Lake, Lakeland Surgical Group here in Jackson, Mississippi. And while he was my firstborn son, he and his younger brother were the two youngest in a blended family with three older sisters. And I know Tim has many, many stories about his three older sisters, right, Tim? Hey. Hey, good morning, everybody. Um, I've already been instructed after to kind of turn it down and filter out the stories that I tell. So <laughs> did your mother do that? Um. Yeah, so despite this wonderful facade mom puts on, she still is quite the disciplinarian for me, even though I'm 40 <laughs> years old. So I'm happy to be here, and I don't know if I have any insights, but 
you know, over the last several years as my parents have aged and I have my own children now too, it's given a different perspective as to exactly how much my parents put up with from my three older sisters, my little brother, and myself. And it's pretty impressive the amount of fortitude parents can have. (laughs) Well, I appreciate that you appreciate that. And being a father, maybe it's helped a little bit um, even more. Uh, Very much so, because you oftentimes have to grit your teeth, smile, and just tell them that what they're doing might not be okay, but you have to do it in a pleasant and supportive way, which can be painful at times. Yeah. What you haven't reached yet is the um, the teenage years with your kiddos that I had with all of mine. And I think I have probably too numerous to count stories of some of the antics that, that we dealt with, right? Well, look, see, <laughs> so you had three teenage girls that were in high school basically at the same time, and then I was the caboose as far as that goes. And so you might agree or disagree, but by the time I was uh, coming through uh, adolescence and you were tired might be a pleasant way to put it. Oh, so are you saying I was more hands-off with you and your little brother than than I was with the girls? Well, I mean, as my sisters know, and my little brother, that I'm the favorite child. And so... <laughs> They're not even here to defend themselves. They can't <laughs> reject that. Oh, we no, gave them a chance. We did. We may get a call or two, though. It's okay. I do the same thing with my family. I, I'm my parents' favorite. They know that. Yeah. They know Except that. for my, my brothers and sisters don't know that. But. Well, I mean, and, and mom doesn't have to reinforce that because it's ingrained in me that, you know, I know. It's okay. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Okay, listeners, feel free to jump in at any time to join this family discussion or your family discussion. I'd really like to hear uh, about your relationships with your adult children. Do you feel like you've allowed them to become independent adults? And and I will say, I, I will admit that as a parent, it who who still very much cares about your well-being and, and all of my children's well-being. It is so very hard not to inject opinions when you haven't asked for them. Um, and, and I'm sure I've overstepped that line at times. Well, you even mentioned it in that study, and I, I love studies that are completely in inconclusive and actually don't give you any real recommendations. (laughs) Right. We see that a lot in medicine. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And trying to explain that to people. But um, the interesting point is, you know, for me, going through college, medical school, residency, that I think that kind of delays your maturation into the real world, so Mm -hmm. to speak. And to be honest, having supportive parents throughout that, because it's not so much that you don't get real world experiences, but I, for instance, and this goes, I think, for other people who are in early career paths, whether it's trade, um, advanced degrees, and so forth, or just trying to find their own way throughout, it it helps to have a supportive parent because without that, you're sort of it, it makes it more difficult to find your own path. Well, that's 
That is, I believe, all very correct. But I do think that there are times when um, aged parents continue to give such strong opinions that they don't allow their children to make their own mistakes. And I know that there is a healthy balance there. You want to be supportive. You don't want to throw your kids out before you think they're equipped to 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 be be out in the real world. But at the same time, if you don't ever allow them to make their own mistakes, then how do you ever grow up? And that, um, I am sure, I appreciate you saying that you appreciated the connection. And I long agree that that um, many times um, there, there were times when I, I felt like I needed to be supportive. But do I need to keep giving an opinion? It's really really one of those difficult measures where you want to do the right thing, but you don't always do the right thing. Thanks for listening. This is Relatively Speaking. I am Dr. Susan Buttress here with my son, Dr. Tim Abston, talking about adult parent-child relationships. And of course, my producer, Abram Nanny. So we have sort of an age span here. Abram, you're 24. That is correct. Um, Tim, you are... About to be 40. I know, about to be 40. And, and I'm not either of those ages. So we are talking about those relationships. And we have Pat from Mobile who's going to jump in the conversation. Hi, Pat. Thanks for calling. Good morning. It's Kat. Oh, Kat. Yes, Kat. We know Kat. Thank you for calling. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. So I had a couple of points just listening to y'all, to you all. And one of the things was attachment, like in the, I guess, as you're growing together as child and parent and how that can affect the relationship as adult child and older parent. And just thinking about how, um, I guess, people mature over time, as your son was saying. And, you know, there's so many different things that can affect relationships. So how was the attachment style coming up and what experiences took place and are people at the point of maturity to forgive or to understand certain things. Um, It's just a lot of different things in that aspect of it. And um, for reference, I'm 31. So um, as a young parent, I like to think of myself as a young parent, I think about the insecurities that I have as a parent right now. Like, am I doing it right? There's no manual. How do I say this? And thinking about my parents, how did that affect her and her parenting style and did her insecurities as a parent affect the relationship in any way? Like, is my misbehavior a reflection of her? Does she feel like this Mm. is a reflection of me or is she just going through certain phases? Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And actually, Pat, um, one one of one of the things I was going to bring up as we move through the show is that having the ability to understand perhaps what your parents went through, and and that their their 
sometimes responses that you remember is not always being appropriate or the best thing for you as you are as an adult, having the understanding that there's not a manual, that perhaps they did make mistakes. They might have been flying by the seat of their pants. They may not have had a parent to reach out to and ask a question about whether this is the way to handle it or not. And so if you can do exactly, Kat, what you've mentioned doing is to make yourself put on that hat of, oh, now I get why she did that to me or why she reacted that way because she didn't know how. She she didn't know for sure what to do. That can actually bolster relationships with older parents if you don't hang on to some of maybe the past mistakes that we as parents make and and tim i don't know if you have a comment on that oh no i i i feel cat right here because you know you'll be having an issue with your kid and you'll be talking to them trying to remain calm and then you're talking 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 and then you say something like oops I don't know if that was the right thing to say mm-hmm. and try and hit the reset button, reframe it. And it's just trying to do the right thing. And, you know, of course I had a perfect mother who <laughs> never made any oops moments whatsoever, but it, it totally does reframe everything for me, you know, interactions growing up, um, whether it was discipline or praise, um, it makes it more more real for me. Yeah, yeah. Y- you know, one one thing, for example, is I, you always try to say um, you, when. Of course, I think everybody who listens to to this show probably has an understanding that I'm a developmental behavioral pediatrician. So I am supposed to know all the right answers in rearing children, right? Well, wrong. And there were many times when uh, something would come out of my mouth, like, why are you being so bad? Which is all the wrong stuff. You don't ask questions. You label the behavior. You don't call it bad. I mean, I can tell you everything I did wrong in retrospect, but in the moment when you are trying to figure out how to make this sometimes difficult child behave, not that you ever were. No. Now, full disclosure, why are you being so bad? I think I still hear that uh, periodically Uh, as a pseudo-adult that I am now. <laughs> I do not say that to mm-hmm, you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think it's important for uh to acknowledge that when you're wrong for your kids to see that. Yeah. When they cuz when you're wrong and then they say you they say I don't understand then you're like, "Well, that was me being incorrect and I'm sorry." And when you're when you see your parent apologizing and admitting their faults then that ins- I guess instills in the the kid that they can also be wrong and that they can admit that they're uh, that they acted up or whatever yeah but having that insight um, Kat any other thoughts um yes one really quickly sure so uh, you know we talk about spirituality and religion here and there and one thing that parenting has taught me is humility. It's like the Lord shows me me 
through my child when I say certain things over and over and then I'm like, oh no, is this what God has to deal with with me? I'm so sorry. <laughs> Let me get myself together. You know, it's certain things you're like, this is so simple. I've said it so many times. Why won't you, why don't you trust me? I, you know, I take care of you every day. I'm going to feed you. Please do not ask me when we're going to eat. I feed you every day. <laughs> you know, just simple things like that. And then I think, you know, the Lord asked me to trust Him. Or he, I mean, He takes care of me every day, but somehow I found a reason to worry. And it's just, it's very humbling, and it puts things into perspective. So, like, when I'm chastising my child to a point, it's like the Lord turns right back around and says, the cat, didn't you do? And it just it just makes me shut up. Mm-hmm. I just go in the corner. <laughs> Yeah, and I hear you, and and I, but it doesn't delete the need to have discipline just because um, perhaps we as children didn't like it. I certainly I have an old story about discipline that I may tell later uh, that that you know it smarted so badly, and I was so mad at my parents when they did it. They didn't spank me, but they punished me in a way that hurt so badly. Um, but boy, did they make a point, and I never crossed that line again. And that's sort of what you have to do. You have to be able to have the strength in parenting, but to have the insight later on how to do it without being mean and cruel. And so it's tough. It's not easy. So, Kat, as always, thanks for calling and giving us your great insight. Okay, Quita in Jackson is on the phone. She's been patiently waiting to talk to us about what a parent's role is. So, hey, Quita. Hey, hi. Um, Yeah, I just, I really appreciated um, what you said, you know, what, what, what is my job as a parent and um, I think when I was raising little kids, I thought my my job was to raise people who acted right, mm. um, you know, and behaved and all that. And um, and I hope I can save somebody else from doing that <laughs> um, because um, I I wish I had been more worried about. Um, their heart and their attitude and um, the kind of relationship we had instead of all the outward behaviors. Mm. But I do think society sometimes does that to us, that you'll you'll be out in, in public and your child will begin to misbehave. And the next thing you know, people are turning around and frowning at you and um, I think the pressure is there, and I think we've all felt that, right, Tim, as we um, have been out in public and one of our children has a throw-down temper tantrum fit. It, it's really hard to do what behaviorists all say to do, and that is to step back, turn your back, and ignore because People are staring at you, and they're wondering what you did to your child. And so, Quita, in your defense, uh, uh, and and to to remember that at the time you and we were all doing what we thought was the right thing to do, and it was what we knew. And as Kat mentioned earlier, nobody gave us that manual. Yeah, yeah. 
And, you know, for me, I have a special resource, too, because, you know, y'all listen to her weekly. And she's given me plenty of advice about my daughter, who is (laughs) the younger of the two, is pretty good at having throwdown tantrums. And I've talked to mom many times about it and, you know, try to just almost not ignore them, but don't feed into it. And man, is that hard. I mean, you just want to grab them and tell them to be quiet, and you have people looking at you. And they're, in my mind, thinking that I might be the worst father in the world. And why can't we control our child? But um, I don't know if I did that as a child. But no? no? Okay, good. No, you you were not one who threw temper tantrums. But um, were you always perfectly behaved? Mm, no, but you know, I think uh, again, Quita, as we move along, I always tell parents when they have a really strong-willed child who is determined to get their way, that often it will serve them well as an adult. But before they become adult, they have to understand that they cannot always get their way, and they have to understand that there are lines that have to be drawn at times, and it and it is hard, um, and and so maybe, and I don't know, Quita, if you have any particular issue right now that's ongoing that that you'd like to address with your adult children or or if it's just thinking back you wonder if you were too rule oriented um yeah so my kids i actually have a seven-year-old granddaughter so both my kids are older um but i also um my husband teaches at a university and we've had college kids living with us for on and off for about 18 years now. So, oh, wow. So kind of get to see all the... Oh, and my 90-year-old mother lives with us. Oh. So we kind of get to see, like, all the stages, and it's interesting how, you know, I see more and more kind of as I get older that, that continue. I'm like, oh, this is how this thing that happens, you know, to children affects them when they get out of the house and become college students, and we see a lot of that. Um, and then even now to my own mom, like, oh, now that the tables are kind of turned and I'm more the parent, um, like that relationship is so important to have, um, much more important than any of the, the stuff, you know, the outward actions. But if you um, love and trust each other and can talk things through, it just makes such a huge difference. Oh, I also wanted to say I really, I really appreciate uh, you were talking about um, kids learning to make mistakes. Yeah. Um, that I, having seen lots and lots of college students now, um, really agree with that so much. Um, this I mean, huge generalization, but overall, the students that were allowed to try things and were allowed to make mistakes and who had parents that made mistakes. Obviously, parents make mistakes, but not all of them admit it, um, that they do so much better than kids who are told absolutely everything to do um, Yeah, and not given, given the space to do that. Um, 
So, so, so agree with that. Thank you for that, Quita. Um, that's one thing that I, I try to repeat whenever I'm seeing parents as uh, of children as the kids are getting older and and they have such difficulty giving giving them any rope at all and and my reminder to whether it's one of my siblings or my children is it's our job when we have children to raise them to be independent, successful, and happy adults. That's our job. And so to, to accomplish that job, you absolutely have to start letting them make some decisions. If you make every single decision for your 16, your 15, 16, 17-year-old, down to what classes they take, what clothes they wear, how they style their hair, then then you are going to have someone who may be dependent on you forever or someone who separates away and never comes back. There are two, two potential ends to that if you are so controlling that you can't let go at all. And I'm sure there were times when maybe my children felt like I had a little more control than I should. But it really is one of those balances where you keep them safe. You make sure that they're they're gonna you're gonna do everything you can to get them to adulthood, um, but still get them there. I don't know. It's tough. Yeah. So Quita, thank you for that call and thanks for listening and. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and I'm here with my son, Dr. Tim Abston, who is a surgeon at Lakeland Surgical Group, and we're talking about those adult-child-parent, aged parent relationships. And we also have my producer, Abram Nanny, who's here, to to lend a, a younger side of it, somebody who's who's just jumped out of the nest and making a a good way, it seems. Abram fell aggressively out of the nest, is what we'll say. <laughs> fell aggressively. So something I wanted to talk about a, a little bit is is sort of what happens sometimes when older parents. Um, sort of have the assumption of sort of a quid pro quo, quo, like, you know, okay, I'm babysitting your children, so now you owe me something, um, which means not that you owe me money, but perhaps now, since I babysit your kids, maybe perhaps I can tell you what to do with your kids or what not to do with your kids. So that's one of those areas in which people can really get into trouble. Another area as as we're moving through this that I, I just want to have y'all think about this, listeners, that that can really be problematic. I don't think Tim and I are there yet. Um, you can tell me, um, but I don't think so, is when you as the adult child are put in the position where you start feeling like you really do need to step in and not so much be the disciplinarian but the advisor. All of the sudden, you feel like you as the old aged child are put into the parental position. Um, I don't think you're worrying about me yet, right? 
Not yet. Do you want the honest answer? I do want the honest no, answer. No, no. You're doing <laughs> amazing. I think you work more than me still. <laughs> no. Traveling, having fun. But I think this is a good topic that maybe I can have a little bit of insight just with my career. Because, you know, as a surgeon, with medical issues that come up, whether it's someone that will require surgery or maybe doesn't need surgery, um, and it requires the family's input. And oftentimes I see where the child, whether it's the oldest child, middle child, or whoever's sort of taking the lead with it, has to really help advise as to maybe we should or maybe we shouldn't do this. And this is also something that I see sometimes that what makes these decisions the easiest is having discussed it beforehand and having had good open relationship and conversation as the parent gets older about what they do, don't, or might want. Yeah, I really like that. And that certainly, as we talk about any area of medicine, and and certainly as individuals get older, but even as when parents are young, I think it's really important to talk with your adult children about your your important issues. And so many times, I, I have to say, I... My children, other than my husband, are are my best friends. I mean, they're my advisors now. I I think that I'm very grateful that I have them to call on when when I need something. I I talk to my daughters and sons all the time about what's going on in our lives. So I'm I'm glad for you to say that. Certainly, prior to important things. I'm always very sad when I hear that that parents have been secretive about something that's going on with them health-wise and not disclosed it to their adult children until perhaps it's 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 too late. And I bet you've seen some situations where perhaps there was a bit, bit of strife or angst or upset also. Oh, I've seen it many a times where it hits the family like a ton of bricks because you have to tell them that there's going to be a bad outcome or, you know, shortening of life expectancy because of certain things. And I've actually seen it the other way as well. When you have a family member, most of the time a child, that it has been cleared that the patient themselves wants to have their medical power, typically a child, make their decisions. And so you have to discuss it with them, and they want to actually withhold information. Mm. And that can make a very difficult dynamic because you can't really do that. No. And that can then lead to some pretty significant strife within the family as well. Yeah. It's tough. Okay. Well, we have a couple of phone calls here. Let's go to Jay, Joe in Bay St. Louis. Um, hi, Joe. Thanks for calling. How are you? Thank you so much for taking my call. I appreciate your show. Thank you. Okay. So I'm calling because um, I'm at this really weird place in my life, and I, and I wanted to add to the show a little bit. Um, I met my wife, and she already had a son, and he was already two years old. Um, my wife and I got together. We got married and some other stuff, and then we had another son later on in life. Um, today, my oldest son, which was her, her boy, is 22 years old and he's in the military. Mm. Um, he left yesterday for Europe. Mm. Um, but my younger son is only 13. 
So I'm at both sides of that coin that you're talking about mm-hmm. where, you know, you have a younger son doing this and an older son doing that. Um, my attitude that I've talked with my wife about numerous times is I've always felt like your kids are going to hate you one way or another. Mm-hmm. Either they're going to hate you when they're children for teaching them how life is, or if you try to become their friend while they're children, they're going to hate you when they're an adult because you never really showed them how life is. Mm. So our attitude when bringing up our children was always to allow them to make decisions and only step in when those decisions are bad or going to harm them. So like my 13-year-old, he's changing his classes in school, and when the school called and asked me, you know, can he change his classes, my answer to them is like, I'm trying to make an adult and making the decision as part of becoming an adult. We're trying to give them all the tools they need to become adults and they just have to choose to use them, mm-hmm. but we teach them what them are. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I hear what you're saying and I think it sounds like you are approaching this in a really good manner. You're, what you are trying to do is let them make decisions until you believe this decision that they are making might harm them. And then that's when you would step in. And that really is how parents should approach parenting. I mean, the same thing if you have a toddler who is is building something. Um, all of the time, I will see a parent jump in and go, oh, no, 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 if you do that, the building's going to fall and tell them what they need to do. Instead of letting the building fall, let them learn that, oh, that was not a good support structure, and next time they figure it out. It's the same thing. I, I love watching my kids make mistakes and learn from them. Mm-hmm. Because when they do it when they're younger means that when they're adults, they're not going to make those same mistakes. Mm. They're going to look at problems from all angles prior to doing the thing. Mm. Well, it sounds like y'all did something right because you have a son who who has enlisted in the military and is going to serve us. And, and it sounds like um, he, he ended up being a good guy, right? Well, we're hoping um, he's doing really well at what he does. Like I said, he just left for Poland um, yesterday. Um, he's actually been in the military now two and a half years. So his enlistment, his first enlistment's almost up, and he's talking about re-enlisting. But what I wanted to add to this was when he was a teenager, he hated me. He hated because I made him complete jobs. He hated because I made him do jobs over again when he did them wrong. And later on, I mean, he rushed out of our house when he turned 19. Like, he couldn't wait to leave our home because he thought I was this horribly bad guy who just made him do things because I wanted him to do things. After his first um, six months in the military, he literally called me and apologized because he's like, I didn't realize this is how life really is. Mm. Yeah. I wonder how many adult children um, are like that. Yeah. That's a pretty funny juxtaposition to go from uh, your your father, you know, telling you what to do and you being like, I don't know about that. And then now he's got a drill sergeant or whatever, and they're telling him what to do. Yep. Yep. 
and he, he's made so many accommodations. I'll, I'll just add this to, to the, the comment here. His first commendation in the military came when he was supposed to clean the bathroom with a couple other guys. Those other guys didn't show up. So because of the parenting that I did, I would have made him still do it, even if those other people didn't show up. He remembered that, did that, cleaned the whole bathroom, even though the other guys didn't show up. And what ended up happening is he became the supervisor with those four guys from that moment on. Hmm. Yeah, good, good lessons. I, you know, and I, I do think, um, Joe, just for our listeners, that that some kids take that kind of firm direction, um, right. and and and, and are not angry about it. Some who are maybe a bit strong willed are, and and maybe I hope not. But it, I mean, it sounds like you truly raised him. Um, from two on, you know, but right. but I do think occasionally the the step parent issue comes in, and perhaps you had this much younger son, and maybe there was a little of that issue that was coming into play. But you can do yeah. redirection and and all with kindness, and so it sounds like things turned out okay, right? They did. We actually never treated him any different, you know, and, you know, he had his own dad and stuff like that. And I never, he still calls me Joe. Mm-hmm. He doesn't call me dad or anything like that. And that doesn't bother me because he has his own dad. Yeah. But when it comes to talking about his father, he always talks about me. So, uh, I mean, yeah. you know, it's all different. You know, yeah. everybody has to take a grain of salt and look at what they're doing and determine what's best for them. And this is just what worked out for us. That's right. Well, Joe, thanks for calling in. Sounds like a good good Thank story, you. though. You still have a 13-year-old to raise, so good luck with that. I do. I'm trying really hard. It's really rough. It's a little bit different. So, yeah. Don't get tired like my son said I did. Don't get tired. No, no. I, I understand that. I understand it. So, definitely. Thank you all so much for being there. I appreciate your show. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. And I appreciate that your son had that realization because that harkens back to something with my father about picking up sticks in the yard where I had to pick up sticks in the yard every day for a week with progressive smaller size, because just like you're saying, you got to complete the task. So I'm Um, glad he had that realization. Yeah, my, oh my goodness. That's such a fun story. My kids tell it regularly. My husband was not the the firm disciplinarian by any means he was he was a kind disciplinarian but one thing that he did if if they if the kids came back inside after he said go pick up all the sticks before we mow the yard for me if they came back in and there were a bunch of sticks still out he would say to the size of a pencil right all the way down to the size of a pencil was that it well he'd give us the list of chores yeah and For a week straight, it was pick up sticks, but each time he would qualify that with a size until eventually we were doing such a bad job about it that he wrote uh, pencil size or smaller. (laughs) So we were picking up three-inch twigs out of the yard. (laughs) It was just a small sample size and not anything particularly important, but we picked up those sticks. You did it. 
Okay, thanks, Joe. I think we're going to just stay on the phones. We Z from Arkansas has been waiting quite a while. Um, so, Z, you have a, a question that I, I think we really need to get to. Uh, hi. Uh, the, uh, first, let me make a couple of comments. Uh, I noticed that the adult-parent uh, relationship is different if it's a son versus a girl. I've noticed that in my own family, uh, the relationship between a grown son, a grown daughter, and that parent. In my case, I have three daughters who are all grown. And um, it's interesting because my relationship with each one of them is completely different from the other. One is married with kids, so I tend to speak with her a lot more often. Uh, one, they do live out of, out of the state. Um, my oldest daughter, I check in with her every now and then. She doesn't seem to have a problem with that. It can be talked periodically. And my youngest daughter, I see her almost every day. But I guess the point is that the relationship is different for each one of those grown girls. Mm. Um, and when I have an issue, especially with the younger one, and I just feel that I can't get through to her, I just call one of her sisters and say, hey, this is what's going on with the baby sister. Why don't you deal with it? So I transfer that parenting to <laughs> the other grown girls. <laughs> I'm going to deal with that issue. But I joke with all three kids when I'm 90, each one of you gets four months, and it's your responsibility to take care of your mom when I'm 90 years old. So we joke about it, but they're witnessing firsthand that I'm taking care of my mom. Mm -hmm. So they see that within the family, that is just what we do. Mm -hmm. We take care of the seniors in the family. But people always tell me, oh, you should not tell your kids that you're going to be a burden. I'm like, yes, I am. <laughs> I need to understand right across the door. When I'm 90 years old, I will be a burden. I'm going to be mean. So be prepared for it. You might not be mean. All people don't get old and mean. They get sometimes they get old and sweet. That's what I'm going to do. Absolutely, so anyway, that's Mom. my question. <laughs> I, I hear a lot of parents saying, "Well, I don't want to be a burden on my children," and I witnessed that by um, my my mother-in-law, who's now deceased. She would say that all the time to her grown kids. I don't want to be a burden. And when she got to the point where she needed them the most, I noticed that they weren't there for her. So mm -hmm. I guess one of my advice is not to tell your children up front that they that you don't want to be a burden because they may take that literally to heart. But anyway, that's my question is, to what degree are older parents, what is the expectation of parents in terms of yeah. children being there when they need them the most. Well, I this is my um, opinion. Um, first of all, Z, we know that, and I'm going to try to do this quickly. We we know that aged adults do better if they are able to stay in their own familiar surroundings in their own homes as long as they can do that safely. I know sometimes that is is not the possibility, um, but to it is it is a wonderful blessing for we as we get older to be able to have children kick in and help out and in my opinion i believe 
unless there are majorly extenuating circumstances, it is our responsibilities to take care of our aged parents when they can no longer take care of themselves and to do the best that we can and to reach out for help when we need it. But this is something that we probably, our next show, needs to be on on discussing exactly this because it is a huge issue on um, how do you take care of aged parents who cannot take care of themselves? How do you do that without it being to the detriment of yourself? So, Z, thanks for bringing that in. Um, we will talk about this further. And I want to thank my son, Tim Abston, Dr. Tim Abston. I want to ch- thank Abram Nanny and my call screener, uh, Katrina, I believe. Thank you, Katrina, for our calls and all our callers. If uh, Southern Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and the funding is provided in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and support from listeners just like you. If you'd like to hear this show again or any past episodes, you can listen to the podcast and do. There's some good ones lately on your favorite podcast app by searching Southern Remedy, Relatively Speaking. This show is a production of MPB Think Radio and, like I said, engineered by my producer, Abram Nanny. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.